0: A stern warning. Israel is cautioning Lebanon against entering the war and threatening serious consequences.
1: An employee at the Department of Homeland Security is placed on leave. The agency discovers that she was a spokeswoman for the Palestine Liberation Organization.
2: A new
0: report says the once popular ESG investing is dying on Wall Street.
1: Why is this happening? A boat clash in the South China Sea sparking a round of finger pointing between China and the Philippines. The Chinese vessel accused of dangerous maneuvering.
0: Hello and welcome to
1: NTD News Today. I'm Chris Beers. And I'm Stephanie Cox. We have insights and perspectives. On the stories shaping our world. Breaking news, in-depth analysis and inspiration to power your day. Now for our top stories.
0: A third convoy of aid trucks passed through the Rafah crossing from Egypt today.
1: Lines of empty trucks could be seen waiting on the Gaza side of the border to collect the aid packages.
0: Humanitarian deliveries through Rafah began on Saturday. Israel agreed on the condition that supplies don't end up in the hands of Hamas. President Biden is joining leaders from Western nations in defending Israel.
1: HEADS OF STATE PUT OUT A STATEMENT SUNDAY CONDEMNING TERRORISM IN THE MIDDLE EAST.
0: ON SUNDAY, BIDEN JOINED LEADERS FROM CANADA, ITALY, FRANCE, GERMANY, THE UK AND OTHERS CALLING ON HAMAS TO RELEASE ITS HOSTAGES.
1: THE STATEMENT READS, THE LEADERS REITERATED THEIR SUPPORT FOR ISRAEL AND ITS RIGHT TO DEFEND ITSELF AGAINST TERRORISM and called for adherence to international humanitarian law including the protection of civilians
0: this comes as the israeli defense forces evacuate border towns in the north however a few israeli families refuse to leave their homes near the border with lebanon
2: i don't evict
3: since my family is here and she's refusing to evict
2: why you don't afraid uh,
3: she's afraid yes but uh, she loves most
1: the home
0: Multiple families told reporters they won't evacuate, even amid increasing violence in the region.
1: On Sunday, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu warned Hezbollah against opening a second war front with Israel.
4: If Hezbollah decides to enter the war, it will long for the second Lebanon war. They will be making the biggest mistake of their lives. And we will hit them with an unimaginable force. It will mean a devastation for them and the state of Lebanon.
0: Meanwhile, the U.S. State Department is urging all Americans in Lebanon to leave immediately. Commercial flight options are still available.
1: The State Department on Sunday also urged Americans still in Lebanon to prepare for emergencies.
0: The Israeli Defense Forces are finding booby traps left by Hamas in towns near the Gaza border.
1: One of them was in a child's pink backpack. The military was working to clear all threats on
5: Sunday.
0: <laughs> On a post on X, an Israeli soldier is seen carefully revealing an explosive in a colorful bag.
1: Booby traps have even reportedly been found underneath dead bodies.
0: Such devices are something the IDF will likely have to contend with inside Hamas tunnel networks. Funeral services were held yesterday for a Detroit synagogue president who was found fatally stabbed at her home.
1: Samantha Wall was a former aide to Congresswoman Elisa Slotkin and a campaign staffer for Michigan Attorney General Donna Nessel, who spoke at her funeral.
6: Samantha Wall may have been the nicest person that I have ever met or will ever meet in my lifetime. Sam did more for our community, our state, our world, our lives. In her short time here on earth than most will ever accomplish in a thousand lifetimes over and her killer will not rob
7: us of the memory of her joy and warmth and kindness that she leaves behind
0: detroit's police chief james white said the killing left many unanswered questions he asked the public to be patient as police examine available evidence He said the department is using every resource available to further the investigation.
1: Wall's body was found at her home on Saturday morning. A call to police alerted them of a person lying on the ground unresponsive. Samantha Wall was 40 years old and led the Isaac Agri downtown synagogue since 2022. Authorities are investigating a motive and ask the public not to draw quick conclusions.
0: A Department of Homeland Security employee has been placed on leave. The agency learned she was a spokeswoman for the Palestine Liberation Organization.
1: According to The Daily Wire, U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services Officer Nejwa Ali worked for the PLO's delegation to the U.S. in 2016 and 2017.
0: Ali was hired as an asylum officer at the DHS in 2019. One of her primary responsibilities is to screen immigrants applying for asylum in the U.S.
1: The Daily Wire reports that the former PLO spokeswoman recently cursed Israel in a social media post in support of Hamas.
0: The news site added that Ali also posted images of terrorists paragliding, which is being interpreted as support for the Hamas attack on Israel. And at the border, officials say they caught a record number of people on the FBI's terror watch list over the past year.
1: That includes 18 encounters in September. Officials revealed the new numbers on Saturday.
0: At the southern border, it totals 169 encounters in fiscal year 2023. That's the highest annual number in the Border Patrol's history.
1: The total is 172 when including apprehensions at the Canadian border. SOME REPUBLICANS POINTED TO THE LATEST STATISTICS AND WARNED THAT THE COUNTRY COULD BE VULNERABLE TO A TERRORIST ATTACK.
0: A BIPARTISAN GROUP OF U.S. SENATORS EXPRESSED STRONG SUPPORT FOR ISRAEL ON SUNDAY.
1: ONE LAWMAKER DESCRIBED THE HAMAS DEADLY ATTACK AS A CRIME AGAINST HUMANITY.
8: IF THIS WAR GROWS, IT'S COMING TO YOUR BACKYARD. THERE WON'T BE TWO FRONTS, THERE'LL BE THREE. There's an effort to unleash Hezbollah on the Jewish state to destroy it. My attention will be to Tehran.
0: Republican Senator Lindsey Graham repeatedly accused Iran of being responsible for the the recent outbreak of violence in the region.
1: The senator's visit to Israel follows President Biden's last week.
0: Both visits focused on containing the Israeli Hamas war to prevent it from spiraling into an even larger conflict. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell says China, Iran, and Russia pose the most significant threats to the U.S.
1: On Fox News Sunday, the Kentucky Republican used a phrase coined by President George W. Bush following the terrorist attacks of September 11, 2001.
3: This is an emergency. It's an emergency that we step up and deal with this axis of evil, China, Russia
0: The Israeli Defense Forces are prepared to invade Gaza by land. But what happens next? We speak with retired Marine Corps colonel and senior fellow at the Center for Security Policy Grant Newsom. Grant Newsom, thank you for joining us. Israeli Defense Minister Yuav Gallant told Israeli troops they would soon see Gaza from the inside. An Israeli operation inside Gaza seems (laughs) imminent at this point. What could such an operation look like?
9: Well, hopefully, it's going to surprise us. Uh, I think that all the pundits are talking about what's coming. And it's almost as if they're predicting what's going to happen in a sporting event. Uh, My guess is it's not going to be a sort of a direct steamroll operation, but the Israelis will have some surprises up their sleeves. Uh, That's always the best way to go about it. But it's especially the case when you go into an urban environment like this. Uh, But the intention here is to destroy Hamas. Uh, the Israelis have said this. Uh, there's a lot of people trying to get them to hold their punches and hold back from that. But I think we've reached a point where this is a all-or-nothing sort of affair for the Israelis.
0: And how could the fact that Hamas is holding over 200 hostages affect the IDF's strategy there?
9: Oh, well, it's got to be very important to what they do, what they're trying to do. But I think all, there's also a sense this time around uh, that the hostages maybe the price you have to pay. Uh, It was was Hamas that took these hostages. It's against every notion of international law, against civilized behavior. uh, And it is a tragic thing. But while it does go into the planning, while the Israelis and the Americans and everyone else, every civilized person, would want these back, uh, there is a point at which uh, that you can't do very much about it. And if your objective is to go in and destroy Hamas, uh, that the hostages, unfortunately, may have to be sacrificed for this. If that happens, it's entirely the fault of Hamas, these these people, uh, nobody else's. Uh, this should never have gotten to this point. It should never have been done. But as I said, it cannot be, uh, and I can't speak for the Israelis, but when you're doing the planning for this, uh, it cannot be used as a checkmate to stop you.
0: Now, the West is distracted by two armed conflicts, if we're just zooming out a little bit here. The Israel and Ukraine wars, as everybody knows. How will this affect U.S. support for Taiwan as China has vowed to take control of the island in the coming years?
9: Well, it's not good for the U.S., it's not good for Taiwan. Xi Jinping might like what likes what he th- sees, however. Uh, you can only handle so many wars at a time. America's tied up in Ukraine, now the Middle East, Israel, Gaza, possibly Iran. Uh, and these are serious things, require a lot of attention. And by definition, the Asia-Pacific isn't getting the resources, the attention it deserves. It's a question of hardware, personnel, uh, and also political uh, capital, um, and also just political attention span. And I'm not sure that America is going to be able to give the Pacific the attention it deserves. And when that happens, well, China sees an opportunity, North Korea sees one, and North Korea will operate based on what uh, the Chinese tell it to do. Uh, So this is not looking good. America has been stretched for a long time. It probably hasn't been able to handle even two major conflicts at once, as it's supposed to do for some years.
0: Yeah. Now, Grant, in an interview over the weekend, Senator Mitch McConnell called China, Russia, and Iran the new Axis of Evil that the U.S. must deal with. He said he said that it was an, uh, an emergency to do so. Should we be looking at all these threats and conflicts as connected and part of the same threat rather than separate?
9: Uh, you do. It looks as though Mitch McConnell has discovered gravity, uh, but it is good to hear him say this. But yes, but you have to look at the whole map when you're considering the threats we face, and by that I mean the whole globe, and the Russians, Iranians. Uh, the Chinese, the North Koreans, uh, the Venezuelans as well, the Cubans, they all share common strategic objectives here. And that is to go after the United States, to go after the free world and bring it down more than a few notches. So there may be differences between these people. They may not like each other in some respects. But at the end of the day, their strategic interests align. And you have to consider what is happening. Uh, at least in terms of a generally coordinated uh, effort, and when it comes to the Chinese, uh, the Russians, and the North Koreans, I think it's a whole lot more than just generally coordinated. Uh, there's a sort of a syn- synchronization of interests here.
0: All right, Grant Newsom, thank you very much for your time. Coming up, nine new House Speaker candidates. Who has the best chance? And will Republicans be able to come together on future policy after all this infighting?
1: Will former Vice President Mike Pence keep running for president if he doesn't make it to the third debate? And former Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney hinting at a potential bid for the 2024 race. We have that and more just after this break. As we wait for the House to select its next speaker, we take a look at the new slate of candidates vying for the gavel. We spoke with Epic Times reporter Lawrence Wilson, who's following the developments closely. Lawrence, thanks so much for joining us again. We've seen nine House Republicans stepping forward as official candidates to fill the House Speaker seat. Who do you think has the best shot at this point and why?
3: Well. Uh- I don't think anything <laughs> after the last two weeks. I really am not willing to make any predictions, but I can tell you, uh, based on what we're hearing, who seems to be emerging as uh, a more serious, more serious contenders. Uh, the person with the best shot is going to have to be someone who's perceived as a little bit neutral, because this is the problem that Steve Scalise ran into. He was seen as kind of too tied to McCarthy, although they weren't necessarily the closest of allies, but too tied into official leadership and they wanted someone who was more of an outsider, many did. Jordan had the opposite problem. who was seen as too hard right, too much of uh, you know, someone on the edges of the Republican conference. So I think they're going to look for someone who's more in the middle, the names that we hear the most about, and sometimes that's a clue as to who's, you know rising or falling. Tom Emmer, the majority whip from Minnesota, is uh, a contender. Kevin Hearn from Oklahoma, he's chairman of the Republican Study uh, Committee, which is the largest caucus within the Republican Conference. So he's already respected by a good chunk of Republicans.
1: Uh, So, considering Tom Emmer does have the backing of uh, Kevin McCarthy, what do you think about his chances and the challenges that he might face, also considering his vote to certify the 2020 election?
3: Yeah, there's a lot of talk about that, that saying that Emmer has a so-called Trump problem, uh, and uh, Trump himself has apparently said that he's uh, not in favor of Emmer. Uh, That's an interesting Thing uh, He is a little, a little bit more moderate. He's from Minnesota, uh, which is known as a democratic state, generally, uh, but he, Kevin McCarthy vouched for him, says he's the right person for the job, and uh, Emmer voted with Trump's policy positions over 90 percent of the time when uh, President Trump was in office. And uh, he was one of the very few who voted against establishing a national commission to investigate a January 6th. So, mm-hmm. yes, he did vote to certify the election. He was in the minority among Republicans. But now some Republicans are coming out and saying, look, we need our candidate to uh, Yeah.
1: Of of course, we need one. We need somebody to step up. We need a
3: candidate, and and some want a candidate who will admit, uh, in their words, that President Trump lost that election. Ken Buck of Colorado has said that. So, that's oh, a see. negative for some, it could be a positive for others. That's what I was attempting to say.
1: Yes, I, I, I understand. So considering how long this is taking to, to select somebody, how, how do you think that's affecting the Republican Party leadership and, and the party's ability to unite?
3: Well, they are desperate to settle on a candidate and get them behind them. Everyone wants that. Uh, I think the problem is that regardless of the candidate, uh, the problems within the Republican caucus are going to remain. This is not going to be a magic bullet that makes them all think alike. So Kevin McCarthy had a real challenge in uniting this conference. He was ultimately unable to do it. And the next speaker is going to face that same challenge.
1: Right. And so how do you expect this to play out then?
3: Well, there's going to be a candidate forum at 6:30 tonight. And that's where each of the nine candidates are going to present their pitch, um, give the best shot they can at convincing people they should be the next speaker, answer questions. Patrick McHenry, the speaker pro tem, he said they're going to start balloting in the Republican conference at nine o'clock tomorrow. And he hopes to have a candidate that they are settled on and go to the floor tomorrow afternoon. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. There's a growing number of Republicans that want to have real unanimity before they go back to the House floor. They don't want another repeat of what happened last week.
1: And just in a nutshell, what is the core issue here that the Speaker is affecting in terms of the Republican Party's ability to go forward on policy, key policy issues?
3: Well, the Speaker will have to uh, navigate two crucial issues. One is funding for Ukraine. There's a kind of a divide among Republicans about that, about whether to do it, how to do it, uh, what restrictions to put on that. And then of course, there's gonna be 2024 appropriations. This battle, this this crisis came up right in the middle of deciding uh, the spending levels for 2024. So that's gonna be right at the top of the agenda. Support for Israel is there too, but of course, Uh, there's real unanimity um, about that within the entire congress
1: well thank you so much for your analysis and perspective here lawrence wilson always great to hear your thoughts
3: thank you my pleasure
1: zooming out to the republican presidential race candidate perry johnson is dropping out after the rnc deemed him not eligible to continue to to join the debate stage we'll look at that and more with roger simon director of the Epic Times and NTD program The Presidential Roller Coaster 2024. Simon is also the author of a new book called American Refugees which is out on November 14th. Roger Simon, thanks for coming on again. Great to have you.
10: Pleased to be here again.
1: And I just want to start with Perry Johnson. You know, he's just dropped out of the race for the, the, in the presidential race. He's never made it to the debate stage. And he's saying that the RNC is corrupt in part because of that. how do you see it?
10: I think he's right. The RNC is corrupt. But secondly, um, I don't know what the debate stage means anyway. (laughs) I mean, frankly speaking, this election has been over from the start. And so, so uh, you know that he didn't make the debate stage is no tragedy. It's just what is. None of them have actually made the debate stage only Trump.
1: So considering this, you know the the world is shifting. Things are changing very dramatically, especially in light of the Israel Hamas war. Have you seen anyone come forward from among the other candidates? To distinguish themselves, you know, in response to what's happening.
10: No, <laughs> okay. not really, because uh, you know, politics is is such a uh, a game of rank ambition that I think that uh, basically they're they all have thinking about themselves, and I think the public sees that. I mean, right now, you know, I've been I've been doing this uh, roller coaster for epic times, and the. Roller coaster was initially an idea to add a little bit of levity or, you know, comedy a little to this whole thing because it goes on forever. And now I'm going to be doing more of it, but the comedy has gone. I can't make jokes. I just right. can't do it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it? horrifying, really, yeah, when right? you really face what's happening. And I understand that. We do have some candidates, though, who've Who've had very ardent support for Israel, for example Nikki Haley she was always been very intent on you know defying uh, Hamas and has she not distinguished herself in some way? How do you think she's well I, you
10: know it, the, the, I guess you could say that but there, the, you know it's it's that's a return to neoconism in general, and I think uh, you know um, we have to have a little dialing down of war. Not, not on the, not. I think Israel needs to be backed up 100 percent. But I, I'm saying that uh, Nikki sounds to me a little bit like we're back in the Dick Cheney land, and okay. I don't think that's the answer. Right now, we have a possibility of world war <laughs> on our hands. We've got if 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 China jumps in and goes after Taiwan. <laughs> I don't know what, what the world is going to do. Maybe we'll have to all get on uh, Elon Musk's next jet, uh, next <laughs> rocket ship, and get out of here.
1: You know, so when we're looking at um, Trump's polls, he's, he's still very high, and, and everybody else is lagging far behind. Why do you think the other candidates continue to run when it it seems that they don't have a chance?
10: Well, you know, the grimmest way to phrase it, which I have, is that they are like vultures flying above uh, Trump, <laughs> hoping that something will happen that they can swoop down. I mean, that that's the that's the, uh, the uh, unfortunately the most logical way of looking at it. I think, were I DeSantis, which I'm obviously not, I he's the leading other candidate, clearly, for, uh, for a long time, he should go to Trump and tell him he's willing to go for the vice presidency, let's run together and get this thing over with, and 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 try to unite the country and deal with issues far greater than the me, me, me of, of uh, primary politics.
1: You're on the road, as you mentioned, for the presidential roller coaster series. And you're about to interview Doug Burgum, um, who's Not doing so well in the polls. What are you expecting to to speak with him about, and where do you? Well, I'm
10: going to ask him him the hard question: is why are you doing this? Um, Because he's got to have a good answer to that. You know, there are several answers. One of the more answer is I'm one of the vultures. The other one is the other one is I want to call attention to myself for 2028 or something. But. Other than that, I don't know what a good answer is. Uh, You know, I'm going to be doing it at the Republican Jewish Coalition's annual leadership conference, which is uh, at the end It starts at the end of this week. And that is going to be an interesting event in and of itself because of what's going on in the world. I mean, how how are all those people going to respond to people marching in the streets of New York in favor of Hamas?
1: Looking at the candidacy right now, all the candidates, who do you expect to drop out next, and, and why would you say
10: that? <laughs> well, I, I, that's a funny question. I, uh, I, I really don't know the answer to that. I think that has to do so – often that has to do with money. And there's been a lot of rumors that, that uh, Vice, former Vice President Mike Pence is out of money and has been lending his own money to his own campaign. So maybe he will be the mix to go, but I don't think that's necessarily so, because he's running his campaign on hatred of Donald Trump, which is not a very good way to run a campaign, but that's what he's doing. And hatred is such a strong emotion that it may keep him in the ballgame.
1: Right. Looking forward, any you know overall insights for what you expect going forward in this whole campaign?
10: Now you're asking me to be Nostradamus. And I, frankly, you know, if you look at the history of Nostradamus, he made a lot of errors. He's over... <laughs> right.
1: Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's all just prediction and uh, at the moment. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. Thank you so much, Roger Simon. Always great to hear your thoughts. Thank you.
0: Former President Trump is now responding to Sidney Powell's guilty plea in the Georgia Rico case.
1: That's the case where Trump and 18 co-defendants are accused of planning to overturn the 2020 election results. Trump says that Powell never was his attorney.
0: Trump says Ms. Powell was not my attorney and never was, and that if she was his attorney, she would have been conflicted.
1: Powell's tried to distance herself from Trump and the trial in Fulton County. Her attorney also said she hasn't represented Trump because she never signed an official agreement.
0: Trump also commented on a different matter of the weekend, namely a $200,000 payment made to President Biden.
1: The payment was unearthed as part of a Republican probe into the Biden family's business dealings.
0: Trump commented briefly, writing, check please. The $200,000 check states that the money was for a loan repayment. House Republicans argue this direct payment may be the strongest evidence yet that the president has been directly involved in his family's business dealings.
1: The White House dismissed the, tr- the check as a distraction, calling it a political stunt meant to damage President Biden politically.
0: Former Vice President Mike Pence is saying he won't drop out of the presidential race.
1: On Sunday, he told NBC's Meet the Press what he brings to hope- hopes to bring to the table.
3: I don't have the most money in this campaign, but I do have the most experience. I mean, it's, it's the reason why I'm
0: running Kristen. Pence said that campaign contributions are not his greatest
1: strength. But even if he doesn't make the cut for the third debate, he doesn't plan to drop out.
0: FORMER REPUBLICAN CONGRESSWOMAN LIZ CHENEY IS HINTING AT A POSSIBLE 2024 PRESIDENTIAL RUN.
1: CHENEY HARSHLY CRITICIZED FORMER PRESIDENT TRUMP ON CNN'S STATE OF THE UNION YESTERDAY AND SAID SHE'S NOT RULING OUT A PRESIDENTIAL BID. CHENEY
0: DID NOT ELABORATE ON HER COMMENTS. SHE IS UNLIKELY TO GARNER STRONG SUPPORT FROM REPUBLICAN VOTERS. OTHER ANTI-TRUMP GOP CANDIDATES SUCH AS CHRIS CHRISTIE AND FORMER ARKANSAS GOVERNOR ASA HUTCHINSON have failed to gain traction in the polls. Meanwhile, Trump leads by more than 40 points on average in current polls.
1: Cheney is the oldest daughter of former Vice President Dick Cheney. She said earlier she wouldn't run for president if she thought it would help Trump win in 2024. That included an independent bid that might take votes from President Biden. Cheney lost her bid for Wyoming's lone House seat to Congresswoman Harriet Hageman in the 2022 Republican primaries. She lost by nearly 30 percentage points. A coroner in New Zealand looks into the deaths of 51 Muslim worshippers in 2019. The inquiry hopes to establish what happened after the nation's deadliest attack. We'll have the details soon when we return. WELCOME BACK. AND NOW FOR SOME SHORT HEADLINES. A MAN SUSPECTED OF MURDERING A MARYLAND STATE JUDGE IS ON THE RUN.
0: AUTHORITIES RELEASED THIS PICTURE OF PEDRO MANUEL ARGOTE. HE IS ACCUSED OF SHOOTING AND KILLING JUDGE ANDREW WILKINSON OUTSIDE HIS HOME IN HAGERSTOWN.
1: THE JUDGE WAS OVERSEEING ARGOTE'S DIVORCE CASE. INVESTIGATORS SAY THEY'VE RECOVERED THE VEHICLE USED IN THURSDAY'S ATTACK.
0: AUTHORITIES ARE NOW OFFERING A $10,000 REWARD FOR INFORMATION THAT LEADS TO ARGOTE'S ARREST.
1: POLICE SAY HE SHOULD BE CONSIDERED ARMED AND DANGEROUS.
0: THE SUPREME COURT DECLINED TO REVIVE A CONTROVERSIAL LAW IN MISSOURI. IT BARS LOCAL POLICE FROM HELPING ENFORCE CERTAIN FEDERAL GUN LAWS.
1: THE SECOND AMENDMENT PRESERVATION ACT IMPOSES UP TO $50,000 IN PENALTIES FOR ASSISTING WITH THE ENFORCEMENT OF FEDERAL LAWS
0: it does allow state agencies to assist with enforcing federal laws involving felony crimes.
1: In March, a Missouri federal judge blocked the law and an appeals court decided not to put that ruling on hold. The decision forced Missouri's Attorney General to turn to the Supreme Court.
0: The son of the police chief in Nashville, Tennessee is accused of shooting two officers in a neighboring city. This happened in a suburb of Nashville over the weekend.
1: Investigators say two officers from Laverne were investigating a suspected stolen vehicle. Police say the officers encountered John Drake, Drake Jr. and there was a struggle. They say during the struggle, Drake pulled out a gun and injured the officers.
0: One of the officers is out of the hospital and the other is in stable condition. Police are still looking for Drake Jr.
1: His father says he was saddened to hear about his son's alleged involvement in the shooting. He says he's estranged from his son and they've had minimal contact in recent years.
0: Teachers in Portland, Oregon are preparing to walk off their jobs. The union set November 1st as its strike date and says negotiations with Portland Public Schools are at a standstill.
1: Both sides began talking about a new contract months ago, but the union says the school system has failed to deliver a contract that makes needed investments in students, teachers, and the community.
0: The school system says it wants to reach a fair settlement and will stay at the bargaining table for as long as it takes.
1: Portland Public Schools is the largest school district in Oregon with more than 49,000 students in 81 schools.
0: The SAG-AFTRA strike is now more than three months old. The union says it will hold its next round of talks with Hollywood Studios tomorrow.
1: The two sides are reportedly at odds over a number of issues, including revenue sharing, salary, and the use of artificial intelligence.
0: Contract negotiations broke down more than a week ago, and some of Hollywood's biggest names, including George Clooney and Tyler Perry, urged the union to find a way forward to end the strike. A man has been found alive after surviving a motorcycle crash and spending three days in a ditch.
1: Loved ones and family of Taylor Boyle reported him missing a week ago in Tennessee. They even started monitoring his bank accounts and social media for any signs.
0: Groups of friends started searching for him. One group searching at night found his motorcycle when reflected off their flashlights.
1: They also found Boyle who was still alive, but concussed and unaware of where he was and how long he'd been there.
0: Friends say Boyle took a pretty hard hit to the head and dislocated his elbow. He's still in the hospital, but he is expected to make a full recovery.
1: And now some short headlines from around the world. European officials meeting today in Luxembourg. They're discussing the war in Israel, mostly focusing on a proposed ceasefire.
4: It is very necessary that there will be humanitarian pauses because it is absolutely necessary that there is more humanitarian aid and that people get help, get medicine, get food, get water. Some say a
0: ceasefire is not a tangible solution because the only party properly adhering to it would be Israel.
1: Meanwhile, the Church of England is commenting on the explosion at a Gaza hospital which took place last last week. The church says assuming Israel is behind it could be anti-Semitic.
10: To see what happened on October the 7th, to see what happened at the al um hospital, those are evil things to happen to anyone. You don't have to say someone's evil, but to say this is an eruption of evil in our world.
0: The hospital explosion has been among the most hotly disputed events of the Gaza war.
1: Hamas was quick to accuse Israel of carrying out an airstrike on the hospital. However, several investigations have concluded that the strike came from within Gaza.
0: The Gaza Health Ministry has put the hospital death toll at over 400. and Israeli officials said it appeared to be several dozen. Meanwhile, the Prime Minister of the Netherlands is traveling to Israel today. He's set to speak with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and then separately with Palestine's Mahmoud Abbas.
1: The Netherlands confirmed the death of a Dutch woman who traveled to Gaza. She visited her family shortly before the outbreak of the war. The Netherlands Prime Minister asked Israel for clarification about the woman's death.
0: And in Germany, thousands gathered to show support for Israel. Here's Germany's president at the event.
4: It is unbearable that Jews are afraid again today in our country of all places. That Jewish parents no longer send their children to school in our country of all places. That the Holocaust memorial right beside us has to be protected by the police.
0: Protesters demanded the release of hostages taken by Hamas. Police in Germany have increased security for Jewish institutions after a of incidents.
1: The city of Berlin banned pro-Palestine demonstrations. On Sunday, police officers surrounded participants of a pro-Palestinian rally.
0: Over to the conflict between Azerbaijan and Armenia, Azerbaijan today announcing a series of joint military exercises with the country of Turkey.
1: Up to 3,000 military personnel are participating in the exercises. This comes after Azerbaijan retook a breakaway region last month. This prompted most of the territory's ethnic Armenians to flee.
0: Turkey has close linguistic and cultural links to Azerbaijan. The country offered military and political support during its three-decade-long conflict with Armenia. In Spain, authorities seized gold artifacts stolen from Ukraine after thieves were caught trying to sell them in Madrid.
1: The 11 pieces are valued at over $60 million. Three Spaniards and two Ukrainians were arrested.
0: The pieces had forged documents to make it look like they belonged to the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. Russia reiterated it had nothing to do with the damage to a gas pipeline in Europe. The line connects Finland and Estonia.
1: Latvia's president previously said that NATO should close the Baltic Sea to ships if Russia were proven responsible for the damage.
0: Winter is coming, and in Ukraine that is a grim prospect. The country is heading into the cold months with a crippled energy system.
1: It's faced relentless Russian drone and missile attacks. That leaves parts of the network more vulnerable than a year ago. Here's the story.
2: Dmitro Sakharuk is executive director at DTEC, the country's biggest private energy company.
4: Certainly, we can say that the reliability level will be lower because not everything can be done as envisaged during construction.
2: That will mean more long winter nights without light or heat for many Ukrainians, and yet more pain for businesses and the wider economy. Now Russia denies all charges that it's deliberately targeting energy infrastructure to inflict pain on ordinary people, but Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky says quick
8: help is needed from allies. We are doing everything we can so that Ukraine acquires more air defense systems before winter. Right now we are waiting for our partners to take certain decisions. However, all efforts regarding either the defence of critical facilities or their urgent reconstruction undertaken on a regional level have to be prioritised before winter begins.
2: Ukraine won't give details on the damage to its energy system, saying it's sensitive information during wartime. But in June, the United Nations estimated that the country's power generation capacity was down by around a half compared with pre-invasion levels.
0: Switzerland just voted in more conservative lawmakers. The right-wing Swiss People's Party gained 3% more votes since 2019.
1: While the center party slightly outpaced the radical liberal party for the first time ever.
0: And the left-wing Green Party ended up with just over 9% of the vote. That's nearly four percentage points less than in 2019. The Swiss People's Party secured nearly 29% of the vote.
1: Turnout for the elections approached 47 percent, a slight increase from about 45 percent four years ago. But the outcome is unlikely to change the makeup of Switzerland's top government leadership.
0: A coroner is looking into the deaths of 51 Muslim worshippers who were killed in 2019 in New Zealand's deadliest shooting.
1: The inquiry hopes to establish what happened after the attack and recommendations to prevent future deaths.
0: Armed with high-capacity semi-automatic Three. weapons, Australian one, one, four, Brenton six. Tarrant killed 51 people and injured dozens in Christchurch. He released a racist manifesto shortly before the attack and streamed the shootings live on Facebook.
1: The first phase of the inquiry will examine the response by emergency services and hospital staff. The process will also try to determine whether the shooter had direct assistance from any accomplices.
0: The convicted killer is serving a life sentence in prison without the possibility of parole. Coming up, artificial intelligence can monitor wildfires. A Danish startup's drone technology can spot a blaze in real time, find out how it works and how it can
1: also help koalas and elephants. And artificial intelligence helps spot struggling swimmers in Germany but many still appreciate a watchful human eye. More shortly here on NTD News Today.
0: with us. A Danish startup's drone technology is using artificial intelligence to spot and monitor wildfires from above. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the details.
11: This AI-equipped drone zips through the skies, searching for wildfires. Danish startup Roboto designed the autonomous aircraft to track and monitor wildfires in real time.
5: So in the very early stages of a wildfire, those first moments are critical in making sure the wildfire is not running out of control. With our technology, they can get an instant overview of where the fire is, how large it is, where it's most intense.
11: Roboto created the technology in 2018, following record-breaking fires in Greece, Sweden and California large-scale wildfires can rapidly consume responder resources.
5: Last summer, actually, Turkey simply run out of uh, aerial assets to keep up with all the wildfires going on. So we definitely see this as a, as a market where we can come in and help the firefighters make sure that uh, they have an eye on everything going on.
11: In a small wooded area on the outskirts of Alborg, Roboto demoed its drone. The aircraft searches a predetermined area. Its thermal camera sends data to an AI processing unit. Within minutes, the autonomous aircraft's AI identified a small campfire.
4: So once we started the mission, we quickly found the wildfire. It's a small campfire and it's extremely small. The current size of a hotspot is 0.2 square meters.
11: But the drone has another application besides fighting fires. Later this year, the technology will be used to spot and monitor vulnerable koalas in Australia. Roboto also hopes to detect and track herds of elephants.
5: In Thailand, we are doing human-wildlife conflict mitigation, where we see a conflict between the elephants of the jungle and the farmers living next to it. It's actually so severe that 54% of the inhabitants in Thailand are in favor of eradicating the elephants living there.
11: Roboto is now developing a fixed-wing drone. The aircraft will have a flight time of around two hours. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
1: Artificial
0: intelligence can now help spot struggling swimmers.
1: After 300 test drives, a pool in Germany has been using it since September. NTD's Andrew Thomas again with the details.
11: At this pool in Hamburg, Germany, artificial intelligence is helping lifeguards stay vigilant. An AI-based camera computer system called SwimEye monitors swimmers' movements.
4: So we have four cameras installed in the sports pool, each with two lenses. And in the non-swimmers' pool, there are three cameras with two lenses. The whole thing is transmitted live on our monitors. And as you can see a little bit, if there is a person in it, the whole thing is monitored.
11: Swim eye can recognize a struggling swimmer and send an alert to the lifeguard's phone.
4: If there is an unusual movement and the system recognizes that there is something wrong with the person it first monitors, the system recognizes this, takes note of the whole thing, issues a warning first, so to speak, which is highlighted in yellow on the monitor. And if there really is a drowning accident, the system turns red and sounds the alarm. Thanks to artificial intelligence, the system is learning
11: more. Now it can distinguish a human being from a doll. But will the tech replace human lifeguards?
7: I don't see this system as competition, but as support for us. Nevertheless, we do not rely exclusively on this system, but we are still there for our guests.
11: Swimmers here say they appreciate the increased safety measures, but they still appreciate a watchful human eye.
7: I think it's very good because it's an extra security for us swimmers. And yes, the lifeguards are doing a great job. But that's another extra. I go swimming every day and there's always something that can happen and I'm glad to have something like this to monitor us.
11: The city of Hamburg says there has only been one false alarm since installation. The SwimEye system is already being used in pools in Scandinavia and Switzerland. In Germany, the technology is the first of its kind. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: You know, Steph, I wonder if they'll ever re- just replace human lifeguards altogether with these types of technologies.
1: Gosh, we're kind of all asking this question with the AI all over the place, aren't we? But...
0: So many I, different things, right? I
1: somehow, I don't think it would be possible to eliminate humans altogether.
0: Yeah, I, I would hope so. <laughs>
1: in terms of lifeguards, at least, Would, you,
0: would yeah. you rather have a robot or a human lifeguard?
1: Oh, gosh. I mean, once you're, <laughs> if you're really in dire straits, you'd, you'd want a human to be, to... Rescue you, I think.
0: At least at this stage.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll have more news after the break, so stay tuned.
0: BACK TO THE NEWS. HOUSE REPUBLICANS ARE BACK AT THE DRAWING BOARD TODAY FOR THE THIRD TIME MEETING TO ELECT A NEW SPEAKER NOMINEE.
1: THIS IS AFTER JIM JORDAN FAILED TO GET ENOUGH SUPPORT TO SECURE THE GAVEL LAST WEEK.
0: NTD'S MELINA WISECUP HAS UPDATES FOR US. MELINA, TELL US WHAT THE GAME PLAN IS FOR REPUBLICANS THIS WEEK.
6: HI CHRIS, HI STEPH. SO DEFINITELY HOUSE REPUBLICANS HAVE A LOT OF PRESSURE ON THEM during this week and during the third week without a House Speaker. So the game plan as of today is that they'll meet tonight at 630. Once again, behind closed doors to choose their third nominee for speaker. Tonight is just a candidate forum to where the candidates will be able to lay out their plans, their vision for the party and try to separate themselves from the other candidates. And then tomorrow they'll meet in the morning for electing that nominee. And we'll really be looking at how that votes that vote unfolds for the nominee because that could be indicative of what, what we can expect to see later. Later on the House floor, Patrick McHenry the speaker pro temp wants to bring this up for a floor vote at some point this week. But the reason why we're going to be looking at that internal vote for the nominee is because just like we saw with Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan, they fell far shy of the votes that they would need to secure the gavel and that resulted in them stepping away from the nomination and having to go back to the drawing board once again for Republicans. So that's why we're really going to be looking at how this internal meeting and this internal vote unfolds this week.
1: And so, Melina, as far as who has entered the race, there are folks from all aspects of the party, some more moderate, others more conservative, and they're not all in leadership. Tell us more about who has entered the race so far.
6: Yeah, that's a key point, Steph. So there are nine people who have jumped in this race so far. And like you mentioned, yes, some of them are not in leadership at all. Others are in the lower ranks of leadership. The highest ranking leadership member that is actually in the race is Tom Emmer, which is not really a household name, but he's right now, he's the Republican whip and McCarthy has already thrown his support Behind him, But the thing with Emmer is that some of the votes that he's taken that aren't as conservative as the most conservative faction of the party, that could cause trouble for him and create more chaos within the party. Uh, These are votes such as when he voted to codify the same-sex marriage uh, back last year. He also supports Ukraine aid. These are just things that the most conservative end of the Republican Party just aren't willing to go for. So if he is the elected nominee, this could cause some problems and could delay the process a little bit longer but the question is could they also be eager enough to see a candidate um, be elected to take the gavel that they're willing to give up their differences and be willing to unify behind one candidate even if it's one that is not you know um, that you know accepted by the entire conference now of the the other members the ones who are lesser known there are a couple of them uh, Dan Muser, Pete Sessions, Jack Bergman these are people you don't necessarily hear too much from. But one interesting one is Byron Donald. So he is a constant media talking figure. He also is one of the most conservative members that's actually running here. He was one of the the only one of these nine candidates running He was the only one that actually originally opposed McCarthy back in January and forced him to make those concessions to take the gavel. So we're definitely looking to see exactly where the most conservative end of the party is throwing their support uh, during this round. Will that be behind someone like Byron Donalds or will they be willing to give up their differences and go behind a more moderate candidate like a Tom Emmer or a Kevin Hearn? Steph?
1: Yeah, all interesting questions. Thank you so much, Melina. Great to hear your insights. A potential
0: $105 billion package to fund Ukraine and Israel in their respective wars would come as the U.S. has $33 trillion of debt. We speak with economic and national security analyst Antonio Graceffo about the impact this spending could have at home and abroad. Antonio Graceffo, thank you for joining us again. President Biden has requested $105 billion to help Israel and Ukraine. What will the impact of this proposed spending be on these two wars?
12: Uh, as for Ukraine, it's very important that the U.S. continue its support for Ukraine, or else Ukraine is going to fall. Uh, with uh, Israel, they have a very capable military, but they need our help with munitions.
0: Got it. And how does the cost of helping our allies and strategic partners win these wars, compare to the cost of winning wars like these
12: ourselves? Yeah, that's a very good point, is that by giving this aid to these other countries, we're avoiding going into a war, which could run into hundreds of billions, maybe even trillions of dollars at this point.
0: So it sounds like uh, getting into it ourselves would be more expensive?
12: Yes, getting into it ourselves would be much more expensive. Also, Americans would die. So as it is right now, the United States is combating Russia without any Americans dying and at a relatively low cost.
0: Now, the U.S. national debt is expected to surpass $43 trillion by 2033. How much longer can spending like this go on?
12: Uh, That's a very good question. Uh, Nobody actually knows. The U.S. tends to overspend. We we have a deficit each year, then the deficit gets rolled into the debt. The debt keeps growing. um, And we can print dollars uh, to pay off our debts, and the U.S. government can tax the population. You know, to, to back our dollars, uh, is there a limit? Uh, as an economist, I would say we're at a very dangerous level and we need to start curbing our spending and start looking at a way to bring down the debt. Now, Janet Yellen
0: is talking about raising taxes to fund the nation's spending. Of course, raising taxes can disincentivize economic growth. At what point does raising them become counterproductive here?
12: When the government raises taxes, this increases the cost for businesses. And so if you were planning to start a new business, you want it to be profitable, you compare the cost to what you think is the revenue. And if the cost is too high, you're not going to start that business. And if you don't, that means fewer jobs are created. And if fewer people have jobs, then there's less tax revenue coming in. So any increase in the taxes is going to have a negative impact on uh, job creation and the wealth of citizens.
0: So what kind of additional spending could we be looking at if china invades taiwan like they've been threatening
12: well right now um part of the spending bill that that uh, biden has um, has asked for this is also for funding for, for taiwan it's relatively modest funding for taiwan right now now if china were to invade taiwan and if we were to go to war you're talking about mobilizing the entire us military i mean this would be hundreds of billions it might run into the trillions and then also then all the ancillary effects you know after going through COVID and lockdowns, you see that uh, the the carry-on effects in other parts and other sectors, for example, just pulling that many young men and women out of the workforce and sending them off to war, what does that do to the economy, shifting all of our um, uh, manufacturing to making uh, weapons and things for the military, what does that do to the civilian economy? So the impact would be just, just tremendous. <laughs>
0: It sounds like the U.S. is just getting more and more—spread more and more thin. We have the war in Ukraine, Israel, um, Taiwan, and who knows what else could happen next. Things things keep getting crazier and crazier. Are we able to support this kind of warfare internationally?
12: Well, right now, I, I don't see any problem with supporting Israel, Ukraine, and Taiwan at the same time, because the amount of money that's going to Israel and the amount that's going to Taiwan is relatively small. Uh, the amount of money going to Ukraine is very large, but it's also necessary. So I, I think we're okay. But China, China is uh, China keeps saying things like, you know, can the U.S. handle war on two or three fronts? And and you know that they had some aggression against the Philippines in the last few days. So it, you know they're testing us out to see what our resolve is.
0: All right, economic and national security analyst Antonio Grossefo. Thank you again. Thank you. A son of one of the founders of Hamas says the terror group uses the humanitarian aid it receives for its vast tunnel network under the Gaza Strip.
1: In an interview with Fox News, Mossab Hassan Yosef said Hamas has no regard for human life.
0: He says instead of helping Palestinians, the U.S.-designated terror organization build its military capabilities.
1: And they used Uh, the
0: funds and the uh, aid that came to Gaza instead of it went to the people they used it to uh, dig tunnels. Youssef's interview with Fox comes as the Biden administration advocates for more humanitarian aid to be sent into Gaza.
1: Those calls come as Israel prepares for an imminent ground invasion of the Strip.
0: The Biden administration may be lobbying Israel to hold off on its ground invasion into Gaza.
1: THE NEW YORK TIMES REPORTS THAT IT HOPES TO ALLOW FOR MORE HOSTAGE NEGOTIATIONS AND HUMANITARIAN AID TO THE STRIP.
0: THE NATIONAL SECURITY COUNCIL COORDINATOR JOHN Kirby SAID THE TIMELINE IS ULTIMATELY UP TO ISRAEL.
8: But OBVIOUSLY, LOOK, THE ISRAELI DEFENSE FORCES, THEY MAKE THESE DECISIONS FOR THEMSELVES. THEY HAVE TO DEFEND THEIR OWN PEOPLE uh, ON THEIR SOVEREIGN SOIL AND, uh, and OF COURSE THEY'RE GOING TO they're gonna HAVE TO MAKE THOSE DECISIONS.
0: Hamas released two American hostages on Friday.
1: The terror group continues to hold more than 200 in captivity. A
0: Department of Homeland Security employee has been placed on leave. The agency learned she was a spokeswoman for the Palestine Liberation Organization.
1: According to The Daily Wire, U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services Officer Nejwa Ali worked for the PLO's delegation to the U.S. in 2016 and 2017.
0: Ali was hired as an asylum officer of the DHS in 2019. One of her primary responsibilities is is to screen immigrants applying for asylum in the U.S.
1: The Daily Wire reports that the former PLO spokeswoman recently cursed Israel in a social media post in support of Hamas. The news
0: site added that Ali also posted images of terrorists paragliding, which is being interpreted as support for the Hamas attack on Israel. And at the border, officials say they caught a record number of people on the FBI's terror watch list over the past
1: year. That includes 18 encounters in September. Officials revealed the new numbers on Saturday.
0: At the southern border, it totals 169 encounters in fiscal year 2023. That's the highest annual number in the Border Patrol's history.
1: The total is 172 when including apprehensions at the Canadian border.
0: A bipartisan group of U.S. senators expressed strong support for Israel on Sunday.
1: One lawmaker described the Hamas deadly attack as a crime against humanity.
8: If this war grows, it's coming to your backyard. There won't be two fronts, there'll be three. If there's an effort to unleash Hezbollah on the Jewish state to destroy it, my attention will be to Tehran.
0: Republican Senator Lindsey Graham repeatedly accused Iran of being responsible for the recent outbreak of violence in the region.
1: The senator's visit to Israel follows President Biden's last week.
0: Both visits focused on containing the Israel-Hamas war to prevent it from spiraling into an even larger conflict. SENATE MINORITY LEADER MITCH McCONNELL SAYS CHINA, IRAN AND RUSSIA POSE THE MOST SIGNIFICANT THREATS TO THE U.S.
1: ON FOX NEWS SUNDAY, THE KENTUCKY REPUBLICAN USED A PHRASE COINED BY PRESIDENT GEORGE W. BUSH FOLLOWING THE TERRORIST ATTACKS OF SEPTEMBER 11, 2001.
3: THIS IS AN EMERGENCY. IT'S AN EMERGENCY THAT WE STEP UP AND DEAL WITH THIS AXIS OF EVIL, CHINA, RUSSIA, Iran.
0: Coming up, Coca-Cola appears to withdraw support for Black Lives Matter, likely over BLM members' stances on Hamas and Israel.
1: ESG investing is facing problems. The money going into ESG funds in the United States has stagnated. More in just a moment here on NTD News Today. Welcome back. Looking now at the Republican presidential race, candidate Perry Johnson is dropping out after the RNC deemed him not eligible to join the debate stage. We'll look at that and more with Roger Simon, director of the Epic Times and NTD program, The Presidential Roller Coaster 2024. Simon is also the author of a new book called American Refugees, which is out on November 14th. Roger Simon, thanks for coming on again. Great to have you.
10: Pleased to be here again.
1: And I just want to start with Perry Johnson. You know, he's just dropped out of the race for the the, in the presidential race. He's never made it to the debate stage, and he's saying that the RNC is corrupt, in part because of that. How do you see it?
10: I think he's right. The RNC is corrupt. But secondly. I don't know what the debate stage means anyway. (laughs) I mean, frankly speaking, this election has been over from the start. And so, so, uh, you know, that he didn't make the debate stage is no tragedy. It's just what is. None of them have actually made the debate stage, only Trump.
1: So, considering this, you know, the the world is shifting. Things are changing very dramatically, especially in light of the Israel-Hamas war. Have you seen anyone come forward from among the other candidates to distinguish themselves you know in response to what's happening?
10: No. <laughs> okay. Not really, because uh, you know politics is is such a uh, a game of rank ambition that I think that uh, basically they're they all have thinking about themselves and i think the public sees that i mean right now you know i've been i've been doing this uh, roller coaster for epic times and the ro- roller coaster was initially an idea to add a little bit of levity or you know comedy a little to this whole thing because it goes on forever and now i'm going to be doing more of it but the comedy's gone i can't make jokes i just right. can't do it
1: yeah, I mean it's it? horrifying, really, uh, yeah, when right. you really face what's happening. And I understand that. We do have some candidates, though, who've who've had very ardent support for Israel. For example, Nikki Haley. She was always been very intent on, you know, defying uh, Hamas and has she not distinguished herself in some way how do you think she's well I,
10: you know it, it i guess you could say that but there, you know it's it's that's a return to neoconism in general and i think uh you know we have to have a little dialing down of war not not on the, not i think Israel needs to be backed up hundred percent but i am saying that you uh, and Nikki sounds to me a little bit like we're back in the Dick Cheney land and. Okay. I don't think that's the answer right now. We have a possibility of world war <laughs> on our hands. We've got if, if, if China jumps in and goes after Taiwan. I don't know what, what the world is going to do. Maybe we'll have to all get on uh, Elon Musk's next jet, a uh, next <laughs> rocket ship and get out of here.
1: You know, so when we're looking at um, Trump's polls, he's, he's still very high and, and everybody else is lagging far behind. Why do you think the other candidates continue to run when it, it seems that they don't have a chance?
10: Well, you know, the grimmest way to phrase it, which I have, is that they're like vultures flying above uh, Trump, <laughs> hoping that something will happen that they can swoop down. I mean, that that's the... That's the uh, Unfortunately, the most logical way of looking at it, I think, where I DeSantis, which I'm obviously not, I, he's the leading other candidate, clearly, for, uh, for a long time. He should go to Trump and tell him he's willing to go for the vice presidency, let's run together and get this thing over with, and, and, and try to unite the country and deal with issues far greater than the me, me, me of, of uh, primary politics.
1: You're on the road, as you mentioned, for the presidential roller coaster series, and you're about to interview Doug Burgum, um, who's not doing so well in the polls. What are you expecting to to speak with him about, and what do you? Well, I'm
10: going him? to ask him the hard question: is why are you doing this? Um, because he's got to have a good answer to that. You know, there are several answers. One of the more answers answer is, "I'm one of the vultures." The other one is. The other one is I want to call attention to myself for 2028 or something, but uh, you know, other than that, I don't know what a good answer is. Uh, the, you know, I'm going to be doing it at the Republican Jewish Coalition's annual leadership conference, which is uh, at the end. It starts at the end of this week, and that is going to be an interesting event in and of itself because of what's going on in the world. I mean, how how are all those people going to respond to? People marching in the streets of New York in favor of Hamas.
1: Looking at the candidacy right now, all the candidates, who do you expect to drop out next, and, and why would you say that?
10: <laughs> well, I, I, that's a funny question. I, uh, I I really don't know the answer to that. I think that has to do, so often that has to do with money. And there's been a lot of rumors that Ford, that, uh, Pre- or former vice president, Mike Pence is out of money and has been lending his own money to his own campaign. So maybe he will be the next to go, but I don't th- think that's necessarily so, because he's running his campaign on hatred of Donald Trump, which is not a very good way to run a campaign, but that's what he's doing. And hatred is such a strong emotion that it may keep him in the ballgame.
1: Right. Looking forward, any you know overall insights? For what you expect going forward in this whole campaign
10: now you're asking me to be nostradamus and i frankly you know if you look at the history of nostradamus he made a lot of errors he's over <laughs> right
1: fair enough <laughs> yeah it's all it's all just prediction and uh, at the moment <laughs> we'll have to wait and see thank you so much roger simon always great to hear your thoughts
10: thank you
0: Coca-Cola has removed a post on its website that supported Black Lives Matter.
1: BLM members have drawn criticism for their apparent support for Hamas.
0: An archived version of the webpage shows Sprite voicing support for BLM in 2020. The Coca-Cola subsidiary also appeared to pledge a $500,000 donation to the group.
1: A current version of the webpage omits that information. According to archive.org records, the company changed the page on October 20 and 21.
0: The deletion came after Senator Ted Cruz referenced the Coca-Cola webpage, linking its support for Black Lives Matter to backing Hamas.
1: A Texas Republican said the company had been, quote, caught red-handed after the page was altered.
0: Is the sun setting on environmental, social, and governance investing, or ESG?
1: Data shows that ESG is showing signs of significant decline in the US. Now, here live to tell us more is NTD Business host Don Ma. Don, welcome. Are we starting to see ESG disappear from the investing world?
8: Well, Steph, you know, I think I can say with a degree of certainty that it's showing signs of decline. At the very least, the term ESG is not as it once was. Uh, Some are even saying that the market for environmental, social, and corporate governance investing is fundamentally broken. And, and Steph, here's some data points that uh, show a potential decline for ESG. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves here. The total flow of investments into U.S. ESG funds has been zero to uh, slightly in the negative, actually, since the first quarter of 2022. Um, This is according to CNN data. And in the US, assets under management in ESG funds actually declined $24 billion from the second quarter to the end of September. So those are sort of some points for your reference. Why are we seeing a decline when
0: just a few years ago ESG was so popular?
8: Well, you know, when something is flawed, it's only a matter of time before people start to realize it and it just falls apart eventually. So the problem with ESG is, first of all, uh, that its scoring system doesn't work. Uh, ESG company uh, gets a score, but it doesn't actually tell you anything meaningful about the overall company. And on top of that, companies can actually game the system in various ways to get a higher ESG score, even if the company is actually not that good for the environment. Uh, sometimes you have a fracking company getting an A-plus on the environment, and you have a company like like Netflix getting a D-minus on the environment, or you can have an electric car company like Tesla getting a lower ESG score than an oil company. You know, it just doesn't make sense.
1: So, how does ESG investing perform in terms of returns?
8: Well, to put it simply, ESG funds uh, perform poorly in financial terms because, Um, According to a a paper in the Journal of Finance, uh, University of Chicago researchers found that uh, the highest-rated funds in terms of sustainability actually did not outperform the lowest-rated sustainability funds. And I'll just add another point here, uh, Steph. Uh, Another problem with ESG investing is that uh, it actually makes no difference to the environment. Uh, Some companies simply Uh, rebrand by adding words like sustainable or yes you're green or climate to their names but actually do nothing for the environment Um, if you want to be uh, an uh, environmentally responsible investor there's only one way to achieve that goal Um, according to investing services and solution company RIA uh, you actually have to invest directly in private startup companies that focus on climate related issues
1: All right. Thanks so much, John. Great to hear.
8: Yeah, thank you. Coming up, a major
0: iPhone supplier in China is reportedly facing a tax probe. Two unnamed sources say the news was leaked to influence Taiwan's elections.
1: And a close friendship between Taiwan and Lithuania. That's what Taiwan emphasized while receiving the parliamentary speaker of Lithuania. We have more details on the visit soon when we return.
0: with us, accusations fly between China and the Philippines after a collision in the disputed waters of the South China Sea.
1: Chinese vessels blocked Philippine boats from providing support to forces in the area. Here's that story. Armed Forces of the Philippines released this video
13: showing the Chinese vessel grazing the hull of the Philippines boat. The collision occurred during the Philippines' resupply mission to troops stationed on a rusted World War II-era transport ship used as an outpost on the shoal. China's Coast Guard said they were lawfully blocking the boat from transporting illegal construction materials to the warship. Manila responded by condemning in the strongest degree the dangerous blocking maneuvers of the Chinese vessel. The U.S. sided with the Philippines, offering support to its ally. In a statement on Sunday, the U.S. State Department said China's actions amounted to repeated harassment in the South China Sea and that they were dangerous and unlawful. Beijing claims sovereignty over almost the entire South China Sea, including parts of the exclusive economic zones of Brunei, Indonesia, Malaysia, the Philippines, and Vietnam. The Permanent Court of Arbitration in 2016 said China's claims had no legal basis.
0: Following that, the Philippines says it will use all available diplomatic means with China, including summoning the Chinese envoy and issuing a formal protest.
1: The Philippine government has in the past attempted to address maritime issues with China through their communication hotline, but this mechanism had proven rather limited.
0: Foxconn, a major supplier of Apple's iPhones, is facing a tax probe in China. Reuters reported that two sources close to Foxconn confirmed the news.
1: A Chinese state-run media previously ran a report on the probe. The sources say the report was intended to influence Taiwan's upcoming elections.
2: Shares in iPhone maker Foxconn tumbled on Monday. They fell as much as 3% in morning trade. The slide followed a weekend report that the firm faces investigation by watchdogs in China. That includes tax audits and probes over land use. Foxconn said in a statement Sunday that legal compliance was a fundamental principle and it would actively cooperate with the relevant authorities. The Taiwan-based firm makes most iPhones at a factory in China's Henan province. It employs around 200,000 people there, but also has smaller plants in the south of the country. On Monday, it declined to comment further on the reports. But it all comes less than three months before Taiwan votes in presidential and parliamentary elections. Foxconn's billionaire founder, Terry Goh, is among those running.
1: Welcome back. And now we turn to some more updates from Asia.
0: South Korea, Japan and the United States launched a joint air exercise near the Korean Peninsula. That was the first such cooperation between the three allies.
1: According to South Korea's Air Force, the drill aimed to expand the country's response capabilities against North Korea's nuclear threats.
0: A B-52 bomber and fighter jets from all three countries joined the exercise. The U.S. and South Korea also completed a joint anti-submarine exercise called Silent Shark near the U.S. naval base in Guam.
1: At the Camp David summit in August, the three leaders agreed to carry out annual exercises and set up a hotline for crisis communications.
0: And a new development in the diplomatic thaw between Australia and China, Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese said China has agreed to review the crippling tariffs it placed on Australian wine.
1: The breakthrough may clear the way for the resumption of imports worth $800 million a year. That was before tariffs were imposed in 2020.
0: Earlier, China lifted import curbs on other Australian goods, including coal, timber, and barley.
1: Albanese also said he would travel to China in November to meet with Xi Jinping. It will be the first trip by an Australian leader to China since 2016.
8: It's in Australia's interest to have good relations with China, and uh, certainly though my focus, uh, the coming days uh, will be very much on the, uh, the visit uh, to the United States uh, with Australia's uh, closest partner, uh, talking about the future of our alliance.
0: Albanese referred to AUKUS, the security partnership between the US, Australia and the UK. He said the future of the alliance was built on shared values, commitment to democracy and global stability.
1: Under the Trilateral Pact, the U.S. and Britain will cooperate to provide Australia with a fleet of nuclear-powered submarines that aims to counter a more assertive China in the Indo-Pacific region.
0: Taiwan's president, Tsai Ing-wen, welcomed the parliament speaker of Lithuania today. The two spoke about the importance of cooperation between democracies. Tsai said the two countries have become close friends.
1: The official is the highest-ranking representative of Lithuania to visit Taiwan in two years. She thanked Taiwan's support for Ukraine during the war with Russia. I believe that uh,
7: Lithuania's and Taiwan's
1: cooperation can become a success story.
7: Today, one can feel that we are a litmus test for many countries in Europe. Our common efforts, I believe, should prove that democracies working together strengthen each other and offer tangible results for the common good of their people."
0: The speaker was asked if her visit would cause Beijing to put more pressure on Lithuania. She said strengthening ties with Taiwan shouldn't cause problems.
1: Over the years, politicians from countries like the U.S. and the Czech Republic have said that they were pressured by Beijing before visiting Taiwan. The regime claims Taiwan as its own territory despite never having ruled the island.
0: Japan's prime minister is promising to soften the blow from rising prices.
1: In an address to parliament today, Fumio Kishida said he would use subsidies and payouts to help households.
0: He also stressed his government's resolve to pull the economy out of stagnation.
12: The change we need to tackle first is the economy. We're seeing signs of change in an economy that has been focused on cutting costs for three decades.
2: Inflation in Japan has been fueled by the rising cost of raw materials. That's kept price rises above the central bank's target of 2% for more than a year. And wages haven't kept pace, falling in real terms for 17 months in a row. Now, Kishida says the government will soften the blow by extending subsidies on gasoline and utilities. There will also be tax breaks for firms that boost wages and investment.
12: To ensure this change takes hold, we must achieve sustained structural wage increases and promote investment through private-public cooperation, economy, 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 and putting the highest priority on the economy."
2: With his poll ratings sagging, Kishida has also promised to draw up an economic stimulus package that could include tax cuts.
0: Coming up, cards are making way for flocks of sheep on the modern streets of Madrid. Local shepherds take us back to a tradition thousands of years old.
1: And romance gets a boost when a French farmer pops the question in giant letters written in a field. More shortly on the unique marriage proposal here on NTD News Today.
0: rickshaw pullers in Tokyo are taking tourists for a ride to experience the local culture.
1: A growing number of women are entering the profession and raising their profiles on social media. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the details.
11: Yuka Akimoto carries visitors through Tokyo's Asakusa district on a black two-wheeled rickshaw. Sweat pours down her face.
7: I have zero experience with sports, so pulling the rickshaw was extremely difficult for me. At first, I went through a lot of trouble, such as dropping the rickshaw, and there were many times when I thought about quitting, but now I'm getting the hang of it.
11: Akimoto is proud to be an experienced puller, but she says she gets some funny looks.
7: There's still quite a strong impression that this is a man's job. People who come from elsewhere often give me the look as if they were saying, huh, a girl's pulling a rickshaw. The name of rickshaw girls may have gained some popularity in Asakusa area recently, but I want to raise the profile even more.
11: Almost 30% of the pollers at Akimoto's employer, Tokyo rickshaw, are women. The president of Tokyo rickshaw says it can create a comfortable atmosphere for female customers.
4: The
0: first girl was cool. Since we posted videos of her on social media, Many girls have followed suit and joined us. Now we have about 25 female drivers, and we need to increase the number even more. Currently, we have 90 drivers, so women make up less than half.
11: Both male and female pollers use social media to build their popularity and win repeat customers. Some request them personally, even from overseas.
7: The rickshaw driver I rode with a year ago told me they also post videos on social media. And when I checked it out, I saw many videos of women training hard and becoming rickshaw drivers themselves. It gave me confidence that I could do it if I tried hard.
11: The most popular pullers can make over $6,500 a month, three times the nation's average monthly wage.
0: Stress may be inevitable, but if handled properly, it can have a
1: positive effect. Mm. These five simple practices can transform your experience of daily life and reduce stress levels. Here's NTD's Gina Marie with Strong Mind and Body.
14: If you ever succeeded in eliminating all stress, your life would be boring. You would have removed yourself from anything meaningful. That said, too much stress can be toxic. It can negatively affect our sleep, health, relationships, and happiness. If your stress levels are high on a regular basis, it's like having a smoking habit, and it will take its toll over time. So how do we reduce stress levels to something more manageable? I'm going to share with you some of the most important ways to shift stress in your life. Number 1. A relaxed state of being In each moment we can be constricted and tight, or relaxed and open. Which are you right now? Can you breathe more deeply and allow yourself to relax and be open? This state of relaxed being is always available to us, but we have to recognize when we are in a constricted state. Number 2. Breathing Practice When you are stressed and feeling in a constricted state, take a moment to breathe deeply into your belly. It can have an immediate and profound effect on your physiology and state of mind. When we are constricted and stressed, our breathing is shallow. Few things can send us into a fight-or-flight state as quickly as the lack of oxygen. Deep breathing helps you to move your nervous system into a more relaxed state. Number three, simplify and prioritize. Our lives are filled with endless choices and commitments and simplifying can be liberating. Take a step back and evaluate your responsibilities. What truly matters? Can you reduce your commitments and put certain things on the back burner? Or better still, let go of them completely so you have less on your plate. Number 4. Nurture through nature Nature has an innate ability to soothe our minds and restore our spirits. Spending time outdoors, like walking each day, can have a profound effect on our stress levels. Disconnect from screens and immerse yourself in the natural world. Number 5. Awe and gratitude practice While you are out in nature, open yourself to a sense of something bigger. Stress levels are high when we are too focused on the disaster that we feel is in front of us. So when we are open to a sense of the wider world, it lets some of that stress melt away. Likewise, when we remember what we have to be grateful for, we feel a sense of appreciation for life. Start small, be patient with yourself, and allow these habits to gradually transform your experience.
0: In central Madrid, cars took a backseat to an extraordinary sight.
1: That's right, flocks of sheep filled the streets following ancient herding routes.
7: Yeah, it's amazing. It's, I think it's a tradition uh, from a long time,
1: uh, for a long time. And uh, yeah, it's nice to see. And so many people are, uh, in, uh, uh, well, uh, joining and, uh, and enjoying as well. So it's amazing.
0: This annual ritual is part of a celebration in Madrid. It allows shepherds to use traditional routes to herd their livestock, heading to southern pastures for the winter.
1: The event was recognized by the Spanish parliament almost three decades ago. Shepherds dress in traditional attire and guide their livestock through busy areas of the city, captivating onlookers.
0: Just a few centuries ago, the route would have taken them through quiet countryside, but Today, it sees them traverse some of the busiest areas of the city. Love takes a creative turn in northern France. A farmer planned a breathtaking marriage proposal for his partner.
1: Here's his fiance recalling her surprise.
7: We went to a field, and there was a man waiting for us with a drone. He flew the drone, and as it went up the field, I saw a message that read, Will you marry me, in giant letters. And then my now-future husband kneeled down and asked me to marry him. And of course, I said yes.
0: for a year using a tractor and brush cutters. He wrote the almost 600-foot-long phrase in the five-acre field.
1: He popped the question last week by inviting his partner of eight years to take a walk into the fields of flowers.
0: As they arrived, a man flew a drone overhead capturing video of the giant letters. Wow, incredible. Oh, how sweet is that? I know, it's so adorable. Have you ever heard of any other crazy proposal ideas?
1: Um, I haven't heard too many, I, I've got to say. What about you?
0: Well, there was somebody who proposed on live TV once.
1: Oh, yes. <laughs> I have heard about things like that. I mean, that really ups the ante, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. I just wonder what waited. What, what made him take so long? He, he waited eight years.
1: Oh, this guy. Yeah, well, perhaps he was planning the, the design of the the field and the artwork that it sounds like it was.
0: Right. The perfect proposal. Right. That's all for today's news.
1: Thanks for tuning in. Feel free to
0: reach out to us with any news tips or feedback at news.today at ntd.com.
1: And we'll be back with more stories tomorrow.